You're listening to Nick's Snacks and KFKA, hosted by Nick Kenny. Nick is the CEO of the Greeley Philharmonic Orchestra and the 2019 Greeley Chamber Ambassador of the Year. Nick's Snacks also touches on local and global issues through Nick's perspective, offering unique insights into the world's happenings. Prepare to learn something new in this thought-provoking and entertaining show. Listening to Nick Snacks on 103.1 and 1310 KFKA, Northern Colorado's voice here in the Allo Communications Studios. Uh, I'm here with the, well, gosh, what a fun week it's going to be. Dylan Fixmer and Sarah Off will have introductions in a few moments um, about what they're bringing and what we're talking about today on Nick Snacks. Um, we got Micah Kilpatrick behind the glass celebrating a Broncos victory in his white, crisp Broncos hat. He's happy. Happy enough. Happy enough? Happy enough. He was still... Never mind. We're not going to get into the Broncos talk. Uh, This is a very special week as we wrap up and kick off the fall. Oh, gosh. A new season. A new season. A new season, indeed. Um, well, both for you know the, the the weather turning. Hopefully, we get a nice fall, not this winter, but also for the Greeley Philharmonic Orchestra. So, in the studio is our Dylan Fixmer, the composer in residence for the Greeley Phil, and his lovely wife Sarah Off, who is a violinist and a professor at the University of Northern Colorado. Um, it's a big week for you two. It, it is. is. We're excited. Thanks I'm for having excited. us. Oh gosh, it's great to have you. Um, yeah, we have well. Just to talk about the season a little bit, and then we'll start diving into uh, um, to what uh, what we're going to be talking about and presenting this weekend. But let me let me just plug in Sarah's headphones really quickly to see if it makes a difference. So, just <laughs> do we have some kind of interlude? Mike is looking over. I'll just sort of talk as I'm leaning over the table. Did that help, Sarah? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Wow, That's she better. has sound. Thank you. Sometimes they get unplugged, you know. Just That's our headphones right. so we can see what we actually sound like instead of the muffledness, which is this dead, dead studio. Well, the, it, it is, you know. It's a, it's a quaint little space. <laughs> you never really know what time of day it is when you're in here. It's true, which is not a bad thing, maybe. See, but to your listeners, this quaint little space, they don't know. They can't see all the unicorns and all of the beautiful magical creatures that are around and the, the deep landscapes that are, you know. That, I mean, that's the thing about radio, right? I mean, I could be describing anything. They don't know. Exactly. No, it's just... Uh, <laughs> There are no unicorns here for those of you listening. That we know of. That we know right. of. <laughs> that we can visibly see. Um, well, it's in a, well, I just kind of will go off for this first segment, and Sarah and Dylan can interject with a, a little bit of history with the Greeley Phil. We're about to start our 111th concert season. Um, we started in 1911. Um, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Yep. No, that's right. Do the math. Carry the one. Um, 111 <laughs> years. Says- as Bilbo Baggins. We are celebrating Bilbo Baggins, really. Right. You know, that's a special. Why are we doing Lord of the Rings this season? Gosh, Nick, what are you thinking? That would have been perfect. I got a Lord Jeez. of the Rings tattoo for crying out loud. And I couldn't even remember the the uh, 111th birthday as Bilbo shouted out to his party as he was probably a little inebriated for a hobbit. Anyway, uh, hopefully you tuned into the Nerd Show before this as we talked about the Rings of Power and House of the Dragon and, oh my gosh, too many awesome things happening. But anyway, the Greedy Philharmonic season kicks off in just a few days. Uh, uh, for those first-time listeners or those not knowing what the Greeley Philharmonic is, 
It is a regional professional orchestra, meaning that we hire professional musicians from all across the region, um, you know, uh, from all the way from Colorado Springs up through Casper, Wyoming, and everything in between, Denver, Boulder, um, Fort Collins, Greeley, Loveland, all those places. We have some of the finest musicians in the region. I don't even just say the state, but in the entire region um, that, are, that are making careers out of performing as professional musicians. Some are professors, some are music teachers, some have thriving and huge uh, private studios, and many of them piece together their careers by performing in orchestras across the region, um, regional, you know, of our size. Uh, you know, you might be thinking of the Colorado Symphony. Yes, that is the state's premier orchestra. They have, uh, well, the only full-time orchestra in the state. Um, and they have a much bigger budget than me, like 40 <laughs> times bigger than my budget. And I like big budgets, and I cannot lie, and <laughs> wouldn't mind seeing ours grow and grow and grow. But anyway, um, the GPO is a 501c3 driven by donations and sponsorships and advertising um, because our concerts cost on average about $50,000 to produce with the rental costs with the um, of the concert hall, with the music rentals, the music purchases, the music distribution, all the, the musicians, the marketing, the publicity, all those things come together, insurance. Um, the carpooling. The carpooling. Well, we don't have much to do with that, but they do, they do carpool. <laughs> That'd be a fun, like, you know, Seinfeld segment. You know how they had comedians in cars getting coffee, just four musicians in an SUV heading to a gig. Oh, my that, gosh. That'd be great. Yeah. I would tune in. Take it on the road. <laughs> Take I, I, it on trying the road. to practice their instruments. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. If they're practicing their instruments on the way to our rehearsals, they got some They got some problems. Oh, no, no, no. Don't judge. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it would, be like, it would be like packing a bunch of clowns in a car. Just, you know, seeing what would happen. You see it, two cello players trying to play. Eh, eh, stop bumping into me. Well, you got to put one on the roof. Strap them in, you know. Uh, is like that an anti- so they can play? Because they surely couldn't sit upright. Well, I don't know. Oh, uh, there you go. Adversity training. Uh, <laughs> good one, Nick. That'd be the bass player. Wow. I'll just see myself out of the Terrible. studio. You guys <laughs> Mikey, you got crickets back there somewhere? Oh, he's got, he's got plenty of sound effects no, here. I was, my dad jokes don't take off. No, I was... I was uh, all for those jokes. Yeah, <laughs> especially the sitting upright. <laughs> oh, that was fun. But you're not you're not slandering cellists, are you? No, I'm not. Actually, that's one of my. No, I'm favorite. talking about. Uh, I'm talking about Sarah. You're not Doctor. You're, you're a violinist. Not. No, look, no. Actually, so what happens is I have a little bit of cello envy, and so in order to Chen-vy? you know chenvy, yeah. So to to like you know. Make sure is no it a size that. thing? No, it's the nice. Your lower, instrument is bigger than mine. Pitches, that nice hearty little like the depth to it. Oh, it's so mm, good. It's the grumble, rich. the grumble. The you base. can't get the grumble on the violin the same way. We used to use cello drones uh, when I was really into my trumpet heyday of of using that as as far as my long tones and warm ups and stuff. Just that drone. Listen, oh, it was yep. uh, ingrained in my brain. Yeah. Uh, Love Absolutely. the cello. Um, where was I? See, this is what happens. This is all what Nick Snacks is, is just the pew, pew, pew. They'll all come around to getting you know the, the thoughts connected. Um, but we're so thrilled to present our season. Um, we've had our, we just wrapped last May our first season with Lowell Graham. We still have to have him in studio, Micah, for that, uh, that tragic day of our bonus content with Lowell one-on-one as he was telling stories and the computer crash and we literally lost everything. So oh, we'll have to do that again when Lowell's in town. 
but so fortunate to have to have discovered him and well rediscovered really because he he is from Greeley and a and a fellow bear go bears um, and uh, we gosh it was just a fantastic year to be back in the concert hall last season um, it was busy and I feel like the my foot's not off the gas pedal even though I'm trying to find the brake I think they removed the brakes from the vehicle that I've been driving and me too yeah it's just nonstop going for for those in the arts um, but the season oh my gosh we're calling it Connect, experience, and celebrate. Focusing on the three big buzzwords that that our orchestra is focusing on, which is connecting with our audience, connecting with our community, connecting with ourselves and our musicians, too, um, for a really uniquely crafted experience. And largely due to Lowell's programming and what can happen under one roof, no matter who you are, no matter what size, shape, political views, um, religion, anything, we're speaking that universal language, which is music, and bringing us all together for that experience. And then we're going to celebrate that, because I promise everybody and I I say this all the time and no one's taking me up on this if you come to a show and you don't like at least something on there or you weren't moved in one way or another hopefully in a positive way and not in a violent way um, gosh, I'll give you tickets to another show because I know this season is not going to be for everybody not every single piece of music performed in every program is going to be that piece for you but over the course of the season there will be more that you like than more than you don't like and probably a lot more that you don't know that you like, but we're going to just help you to experience that. So, oh my gosh, it's been a a fun year um, creating, you know, the, the, the the concert themes. um, And I'll walk you through that probably in one segment. It's going to just take me a while to go through there, but uh, we open up this Saturday and Sunday, which is also new for the GPO. um, And I'll talk a little bit about that. And wrap this uh, this episode. I'm just planning this out as I'm going. So Sarah and Dylan are like, okay, what, what are we doing next? What's next <laughs> going on? There's no script. Um, believe it or not, I used to write these things out. Like, uh, oh, here's gosh. what we're talking about the first segment. Here's what we're talking about the second segment. Here's when we're going to pivot to this and that. Oh, my gosh. No. no wonder it was so robotic my first couple of episodes. It was just too I, structured. I've never been able to read off a script. I mean, if I have to for, like, theater or something, sure, but not for stuff like this. I had to do that for a conference, an online visual, or virtual conference friends last year i was like i can't i can't script what what is this it's terrible it's it's hard i don't i can't have a script at most i'll have a sticky notepad with three or four bullet points yep same exactly and half the time i lose that or it blows off the podium anyway so i'm just left there hanging high and dry (laughs) but uh oh gosh it's just so it's so exciting so this saturday and sunday we have we have Incredible things happening for the very first time or the first time in a long time. Um, we're having our very first performance at University of Northern Colorado's new Campus Commons. Well, it's been around for a couple of years, but it's new to the GPO world-class concert hall. For those who are curious, well, why are they not at the Civic Center? Um, I'll get into that in the next segment, uh, but this is a great handshake we have for UNC to invite their symphony orchestra of, of, of college students to perform side-by-side with our professional orchestra on their stage with their new visiting conductor, Dr. Andres Felipe Jaime. I'm really working on that accent. That's about as far as I can get. Um, a new visiting professor from Colombia um, with the UNC Orchestra's conducting the overture for us. So, oh my gosh, it'll be an incredible first experience for, for Dr. Jaime's first concert at UNC. Yeah. Um, a side-by-side for his musicians, for the university's musicians who haven't had this in quite a while. For our first concert in the new Campus Commons. For a world premiere of a piece we'll talk about very soon with Dylan and with Sarah. To the premiere of Florence Price 
Prince's Symphony Number no. 1, and I'll dig more into that a little later on as well. So it's going to be a celebration of firsts. Oh, also our first matinee performance in a long time on Sunday the 25th. So lots to talk about in this action-packed episode. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more Nick Snacks after this break. Snacks on 103.1 and 1310 KFKA. I've been really cautious about our, our our stations because I was hosting an event over the summer for the Boys and Girls Clubs, and, and the two morning hosts, Brian Gary and Tanner Schwint, were there as judges, and they swore that I said 103.9. And I go, I did not say 103.9. I said 103.1, so I'm very <laughs> determined to never make that mistake again. But Nick, Nick Snacks you just is, said 103.9. Did I? I'm kidding. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Find us online. Um, <laughs> 1310kfka.com. Nick Snacks is brought to you by 477 Distilling, located in downtown Greeley and the official after party of the Greeley Philharmonic Orchestra with dangerously delicious cocktails. Um, and ask for the Nick Kenny Pour, and you will be very, very pleased with just a, a bourbon. Just bourbon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's it. it Nothing special. Everyone always asks, what are you drinking? Bourbon? That's it? Yeah. What more do you need? Exactly. Not, not much. <laughs> uh, maybe a cigar every now and again, but not too often. <laughs> well, we're here with Dylan Fixmer, um, who is the Greedy Philharmonics, as far as I know, I'll be as bold as to say, first and only composer in residence in 110 years, 111 years, um, and under the direction of Lowell Graham, who's only our sixth music director. So statistically, we're pretty darn good at retaining some really high-quality musicians. Um, but Dylan's been the uh, the composer in residence for, this is his second full year with the orchestra, and um, we're, we're, he's got a world premiere of a, of a violin concerto that we'll talk about soon. But Dylan, tell us how you got into the world of composing and how you found yourself in this position. Oh, dear. Well, uh, let's see. Composing was just something I guess I um, just always did, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but it's kind of true. Um, I just, I loved, I was in a fairly encouraging family in terms of music and my uh, we had a piano at home that my sisters had learned on, and I just sat down at the piano and started playing around one day, and that's kind of where everything started. And um, it actually took a little bit of time for me to realize that writing music was not something that most people did. Like, I actually remember having a conversation with somebody in undergrad where they were like, you know, people don't just do this. And I was like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean people don't just do this? They're like, yeah, like, people don't just write music. You're weird. I was like, oh, thanks. Great. So having that as like a... a At least they gave you an excuse. They just called me weird, period. (laughs) (laughs) Same. That's fair. That is fair. I mean, I've I've also experienced my fair share of just being called weird for no apparent reason. But that's, you know, that's fine, too. For those others, can tune into The Nerd Show and hear our weirdness, too, on 1310 KFKA. (laughs) There you go. Mike is not even paying attention. He's a co-host of that. (laughs) Oh, swing and a miss. There we go. There's the womp womp. Sorry. I was listening to music. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing to do. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I've I've really enjoyed being a composer. I um I spent a long time teaching in public school, and uh, decided that you know composing could be a a more fulfilling thing for me to transition into and do and getting to work with children in other ways. Um, and so uh, when you uh, <laughs> you were the my first contact with actually anything. So it was actually kind of nice. I just um, had uh, submitted um, a portfolio to you and you said, great, what what would you do if you were the composer in residence in, uh, in the Greeley Philharmonic? I was like, oh, I can tell you lots of things I would do. And we wrote up a proposal and that was, that was kind of the end of that which um, is a very serendipitous way to <laughs> approach composing. I don't think there's anybody else. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard that story happen where it was like, cool, I want to do this. Great, you should do it. Awesome. I will. Thank you. Um, uh, full disclaimer, this is not how the industry works normally. <laughs> the amount of proposals I get that just go to my deleted box are significant. But they're from those large brands, as large, here are our next acts, here are our tours, book us, here, I'm from this place and play my music or, you know, so at least thanks for being local because that yeah. is a good heart-tugging uh, string for me. Well, I think it was a good fit. I think the things that I was trying to do with being a composer and the things that the GPO was looking for in terms of outreach and in terms of wanting to have a, that direction go just matched. So, Oh, it's just in this first year alone, it was kind of easing our way in. So the first notes of our entire season last year, after 18 months, if you all remember, yeah. from that little thing called called COVID, um, was uh, was your your overture written for the Burroughs, one of our most popular concerts. It's actually coming back again this year, the Burroughs live with the GPO on March 11th. But those are the first notes heard in 18 months in that concert hall. So, I mean, that's kind of, if you didn't think that was cool then, it's really cool now to think about. Yeah. I certainly um, thought it was cool. <laughs> and, uh, and then the Bells of Winter, which will be performed again this year for uh, Poinsettia Pops, um, which I was chatting with Lola about. You probably don't know this side of the story. Because everyone has their favorites of like, oh, what needs to be played every year? The sleigh rides. This Lowell refuses to do sleigh ride, which I need to start working on that <laughs> because, god. oh Sorry. my gosh, it's just a staple in this community. We need to bring it back, but we'll, we'll let Lowell have a couple more years without it on the on, on the program. As long as it falls in Christmas brass, we're going to be fine. Um, but uh, I suggested I go, well, why don't we just have Dylan's piece be our opener every year? Just have that being a standard. It used to be um, Leroy Anderson's Christmas Festival. Like That's right. a fantastic one, but you can put that literally anywhere in that program, yeah. um, and we can you know step off that routine. So Bells of Winter will make a second appearance this year. And... Wait, there's more. It's like an infomercial, you know? Um, well, I promise we'll get to the violin concerto. Uh, we're doing something that you had come up with, an idea for a medley competition. Yes. Um, melody, not melody. a medley. Melody. Well, if you put them all together, then it's a medley. <laughs> could, we'll we see how that goes. a medley go competition, couldn't we? Yeah. Well, when we advance, you know, for the two and the four parts for the next couple of years. Um, <laughs> the melody perf uh, competition, which tell us about that, Dylan. This will happen twice this year, once at Poinsettia Pops and then once at our season finale concert, Sounds of Cinema, on yeah. May 20th. Yeah. So this is part of our, our outreach program. This is um, a way for children and students in the District 6 to get a chance to write through some melody and practice composing themselves. And then I take their submissions. I look at the, the most uh, compelling melody, maybe. And, uh, and I turn, I will orchestrate that melody, and then those will be premiered uh, at the Points Out of Pops and at the Sounds of Cinema concerts. 
That's and be so, so exciting for students because I was yeah. never a composer. Um, my mind doesn't work that way. It's kind of like a jazz improv player, you know, except you're forced to write that down. So I don't know. You're a jazz yeah. player. I remember, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Um, in high school, does that sure. does that help? Are you an, a good improv player? Yes, he is. <laughs> Sorry, I know he's going to be humble, so jumping in. <laughs> I, I I do like to improvise. It's it's my main way of of getting of getting stuff out. Um, you know, kind of stream of conscious playing. Um, so what's it called? I want to give some definitions to the listeners. So our, our composer writes new music. They are writing, you know creating new pieces of music, whether it's a symphony, whether it's a concerto, whether it's just a little ditty um, or a melody here or there. So that's what a composer does. An arranger takes a piece of music that's already written and then arranges it to fit whatever is needed. So, you know, a lot of small band programs across the country um, have a difficult time with the instrumentation, so they'll find arrangements of pieces of music that better fit whatever instruments they might have accessible to them in, in, in that year. Um, there's also... You know, just the parodies you got, like what uh, Weird Al does, and probably most of what I do in my life of narrating my life through song and familiar <laughs> lyrics, just changing them, um, sometimes with some fun accents. I don't know what the proper musical term of that is, but there you have the three ways of creating or enhancing music is, is composing it, writing it brand new, arranging it, taking something that's already been written and customizing that to fit the needs, or just, uh, you know being a little uh, parody artist and, and what you do around your own house or, or humming. But I think everyone probably is a composer at heart. If you've ever whistled or hummed something that you don't know, the, you know, that's just not that you're, you're a composer. But you've taken that to the improv to actually putting it down on paper with dozens of instruments. Certainly people who own pets are all composers. <laughs> I've, I've heard so many people sing songs randomly to their pets. He's talking it just, about it's, me. It's well, yes, you both of us, but like, it's amazing. Like people just like will sing to their pets. I don't know. Well, we have a we'll have to talk talk offline about a project next year with pets. But uh, <laughs> more about that next year at this time when we're promoting <laughs> the 112th concert season of the GPO. Stay tuned. We'll hear more about the Violin Concerto, Dylan's world premiere of a magical piece of music performed by none other than Sarah Off, who's also in studio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Nick Snacks. Welcome back to Nick Snacks here in the Allo Communications Studios in downtown Greeley. I'm here with the Greeley Philharmonic Orchestra's composer-in-residence Dylan Fixmer and his wife, Sarah Off, professor and violinist at UNC, University of Northern Colorado. Go Bears! And uh, we've got our opening concert this weekend, A Musical Odyssey, um, which is just so appropriately named for for the journey that we're going to go on. I mentioned in the first segment these series of firsts that we're having, first side-by-side with the UNC orchestras in decades. Um, the first time we're performing at UNC in their new campus commons, uh, the, the our premiere, and it might be a Colorado premiere of Florence Price's Symphony Number no. 1. Why that is so significant is Florence Price was a female composer 
in the 1930s, where there weren't a lot of female anything in the in the arts, and she was also a black female composer in the 1930s, and the first black female composer to ever stand and conduct a full, um, you know, one of those top tier orchestras. I believe it was the Chicago Symphony. So a really powerful, powerful piece um, by a, by a composer who, well really in an industry that was set up to make her fail. Um, So it's just going to be an incredible show. But uh, one of the highlights of this weekend is Dylan's Violin Concerto, which is just an incredible story, and I will not tell it as well as Dylan does. So um, Dylan will just let you take it away, and Sarah interject. I'm going to go take a smoke break and then be back in here. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But uh, let's hear all about this Violin Concerto that you've been – well, you're not laboring over it anymore. It is (laughs) – it is done. It is ready it's to be ready to performed, which the, the the it's incredible for a world premiere. Yeah. I mean, I saw a nice little asterisk by that piece in the in the program. Like, okay, it's cool. It's a world premiere, but like the significance of it. Like, this is the first time this music will ever be performed live for an audience. Yeah. Like, this is so cool. Not just for you, not just for Sarah, not just for the musicians, but for the audience members too. Like, this is such a powerful moment that I really hope um, resonates strongly within our community of the significance of a world premiere for a regional professional orchestra like the Greeley Phil. We should all just be giving ourselves, everyone in Greeley, everyone listening, a pat on the back right now. <laughs> Whether or not you're a musician or not, just give yourself a pat on the back because we all need it. But Dylan, let's hear about this violin concerto, the inspiration and the story behind it. Yeah, you have totally. six minutes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll give you a, oh. No, no, no. I, I, I don't need a whole lot of time. But the the story will be told through the music. The, to- the story is going to be told uh, in the presentation that we'll have at the concert. So people wanting to come and learn the, the full story can have the full experience. Um, but the kind of in sum, this is a, a, a concerto written in memory of a woman named Terry Sternberg who was a concert violinist um, and a very talented concert violinist, was uh, played in the Tanglewood Orchestra when she was a teenager um, under Leonard Bernstein and Aaron Copeland, uh, was a a first violinist with the San Francisco Ballet, um, but had a a a viciously traumatic experience as a a young adult that uh, left her with some horrible PTSD, and that followed her through her entire life. And um, in 2009, uh, in her late 50s, she became homeless. Uh, She couldn't hold down a job because the terrors that were following her around wouldn't allow her to keep a job or keep up her house. And so she became homeless. And um, the... What's incredible about her was not only when she became homeless, she didn't lose hope. She she persisted in trying to bring attention to her own story, but also the stories of, of everybody experiencing homelessness. And she really strived to help people understand that homelessness is a is something that is uh, could happen to anybody. It, it, and and so her message and her and her hope was that uh, if people could understand people's stories, that we would maybe approach the world with a little bit more empathy. And if we approach the world with a little more empathy, perhaps we could do some good uh, and help others. And so that's that's really what this concerto is all about. It's um, I took some of her words um, and I. And I constructed a, a piece that that would try and kind of capture her message and, and her story. Um, and I wrote it specifically for uh, for Sarah to play. 
um, because, um, well, because Sarah is the person I write most for. Anyway, um, it's awesome to have like your best friend and your soulmate and your your wife be like the person you want to write music for all the time. That's that's handy. <laughs> but the you're gonna um, have a long career with that attitude. I, I mean, <laughs> you're just gonna be. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm you'll be playing a lot, Sarah, and Dylan <laughs> will be composing a Perfect. lot of music. It uh, it it's it's <laughs> it's terrible to say. It's good uh, career security, I suppose. <laughs> Um, I, I know that somebody will play my music, um, but um, it's also it's part of the vows, right? <laughs> right, right yeah. I shall forever play your music, even if I don't want to. Um, no, but the the um, you know what's what's also really special about this is the the reason I know about Terry is um, our violin. Um, that we have was once owned by Terry. And so the violin that, that Sarah plays um, was once Terry's, and that's how we came upon the story and how we were able to to kind of figure it out. And so um, having, you know, this this be a realization, um, you know, the, the GPO performing it, um, Sarah getting to play uh, and and being part of that and playing on on Terry's violin and being able to share all of that story together. I mean, it's it's a really powerful mm-hmm. um, way to put it together. And I mean, honestly, when I envisioned this, um, I didn't. I, I thought to myself, wow, we really need to be partnering with um, you know homeless assistance organizations to really bring this to life. And we've done that too. We've got the the Greeley Family House, the United Way of Weld County, the Boulder Shelter for the Homeless, and the City of Greeley all sending representatives to to really uh, to kind of keep that message going of how do we how do we solve this societal illness of homelessness and these people and being able to partner with them is a really a, an amazing situation. It's if you've been in downtown Greeley or really anywhere in any city, I mean, the homelessness issue is, is an issue. I mean, it's just a, a gosh, getting worse and worse and worse. And the resources just aren't there. People like to talk about it on both sides of the aisle. Um, but there's very few actually meeting in the middle to make things happen. So United Way is about to open up a cold weather shelter, brand new building, much larger than their past um, cold weather shelter, which is fantastic to see. There are some organizations in northern Colorado that put together some really strong and promising opportunities. But it's, uh, well, it's never enough. It's never going to be enough. But one thing that opened my eyes up, because I just talked to everybody, um, literally everybody, one thing I enjoyed uh, two moments of, of homelessness experiences um, was once about four years ago in Lincoln Park downtown, just chatting with, with, with somebody who was living on the streets and just curious of what their story was. And they had been trying for years and years and years to tr- get a job and always turned down, always turned down, always turned down. And eventually they just broke. Why do I try so hard? Why do I put myself out there to get my hopes up, to feel like there is a light at the end of the tunnel? Because that's what I've been promised. And then nothing. And they just literally gave up and found 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 happiness on the streets and when you're on the streets you're open to the elements and all these these horrible things which really reduced your your life expectancy another experience was this past summer i was in las vegas and instead of you know walking by the the transient population which tens of thousands of people do every day um a friend of mine stopped and chatted with one after we were doing some dancing and and um you know just enjoying some live music because he was too he's just standing right next to us on the side sidewalk so who are you? He goes, my name is Joseph Kerr. He was an heir, one of many, to the Kerr 
mason jar company. But after getting involved in drugs and alcohol and making some terrible choices, he was then homeless and found every bit of joy in the situation that he had found himself in of, of meeting incredible people. I mean, it's not an ideal situation at all, and he recognized that. But gosh, it was just amazing to hear the experiences when you just ask a question or say hi um, and approach and, and not try to kind of ignore the problem, which I think we've all been guilty of, myself included. I work downtown and there's a large transient homeless population downtown. Um, It's just hard to see. And it's amazing that we're able to bring this together through music, that middle of the road that no one can seem to ever, you know, discuss when you're on the on the political side of things. So this is such a treat to be able to do this. We'll learn more about uh, Sarah's preparation for this and this concert after we come back from this break. Stay tuned for more Nick Snacks. Next Snacks on 103.1 and 1310 KFKA, Northern Colorado's Voice, brought to you by 477 Distilling. And we're here with Dylan Fixmer, the composer in residence from the Greeley Philharmonic Orchestra, talking about the violin concerto that he's written for Terry Sternberg and also his wife, Sarah Off, who will be premiering this world premiere of the violin concerto. Um, an incredible show this weekend, Saturday night. September 24th and Sunday, September 25th, 7 p.m. on Saturday, 2 p.m. on Sunday at the University of Northern Colorado's Campus Commons, which is in their, well, Campus Commons. That's what it's called, right? Yep. That's such it. a boring name. Um, there are <laughs> titling sponsorships available. If anyone out there wants their name on a building at UNC, um, I'm not here to solicit that. Otherwise, I better get a cut of that. Um, <laughs> that's on disclaimer, right, Michael? We can use that in court if somebody ever names that and they heard it from Nick Snacks first. Yep. That is that is not our disclaimer. All right. Well, <laughs> that's my disclaimer. Um, it's going to be such an incredible show, and hope you'll join us. The tickets available at greedyfield.org. Um, but let's pivot and talk to Sarah about your preparation for this. So a, a concerto, there's, well, t- let us know, what is a concerto? Um, well, gosh, there's a whole history to what a concerto is, which I will not bore the listeners with, <laughs> although it's fascinating. Um, Where the, can they enroll for just an audited, uh, you know, class to learn more about right, concertos? Right, there you go. <laughs> um, so in this, it, it, just a, kind of a brief description, is a concerto is essentially a, a highlight of a solo instrument or voice, sometimes, mostly instruments, with a symphony or orchestra behind it. So, um, you know, it started as... Uh, a highlight of a solo part usually played by um, the principal of, one, of a section, often a concertmaster, and then it sort of morphed into something a lot bigger over you know a couple hundred years, and now here we are. So um, it often includes very virtuosic passages, um, ways to really show off the instrument, but I think at this point in music creation, it's, it's encompassed really anything. I mean, uh, it's definitely not just a chance for uh, the instrumentalist and the instrument to show off what they can do. Um, I think it's it's much, much more meaningful and deeper than that at this point, especially with this piece. So in terms of preparation, um, 
obviously the technical aspect is a huge part of it, being able to play the notes, because <laughs> that's important. Um, so uh, uh, much of my preparation starts with just just getting the the piece into my hands. Um, and any of my students who are listening will know what that looks like <laughs> in terms of what we call wood shedding, where you, you know, break it into parts and you utilize different practice techniques to just to, to learn it, just like you would with any kind of art form or anything. Um, if you're a gymnast, you know, you have a, an approach to get the, the appropriate movements. Um, but the the biggest part, I think, for the preparation of this piece has been the emotional and human side of things, um, because it's not just a uh, what one of my dear friends would call, and I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, flash and trash, <laughs> where it's all just showy showmanship. There's so much more to it than that, um, which is true for most music. But I think I kind of relate it to um, preparing p- potentially for a theatrical part, like if you are in theater and you are going to play a role as an actor. Um, there's a lot of discussion about how to connect, you know, your own personal experiences and your own human existence with the experiences of this potential role that you're playing, um, but also trying to imagine what it would be like to be that person. And so that has been a lot of the experience here is trying to and failing miserable, miserably imagine what it would be like to be Terry Sternberg and to go through the horrors of her past and to then you know, deal with PTSD at a time when mental illness was deeply stigmatized and not addressed in any way that was actually helpful (laughs) or consistent, Um, and then be unable to just do basic human things, maintain a home, hold down a job, have relationships and friendships, leave your house and feel safe. Um, Things that we take for granted every single day, and we go about our day very comfortably a lot of the time, and we don't have any idea, many of us, what those horrors would be like to deal with for decades afterwards. It doesn't just go away. Um, And I think a lot of people do have that kind of situation. And so thinking back to the idea of empathy with homelessness, I think a huge part of this piece and this this push is to just get us thinking differently um, and to remember that you never know everything about a person. And it's just to judge right off the bat is never... It's never logical, and it's it never is productive, and you won't find solutions that way for anybody. So trying to imagine what it would be like to be Terry Sternberg and then incorporate that imagined feeling into the piece, which of course is very limited because I have no idea. I've lived a very charmed, privileged life. I have no idea what it would be like. Um, but I do know what it feels like to be lonely. I know what it feels like to be hurt. I know what it feels like to be worried or, or have fear. Um, maybe not to those levels, but I, I'm familiar with those sensations. And so drawing common denominators with with those those basic human experiences and incorporating that into the music has been a, a big part of this experience in terms of preparation. And then the other part being responding to the music itself. So you know, I can plan and plan and plan and plan and, chore- you know, do the choreography, as it were, um, and put intention and put emotions and have the whole thing figured out. But there's also an element of the music itself telling you what it is. And then even within the moment, the energy of the audience, the energy of the director, the energy of the space, the energy of the people on stage, that there has to be space for that to interact and happen as well in a spontaneous way. So there is a bit of my preparation that 
plans sort of for that space to happen in in the moment itself, which is part of why a world premiere is so exciting because the people that are in the audience that day, that that performance will never happen again. And listening to a recording is great, but it's not the same because I don't think the audience realizes how important and vital a part of the piece they play because we feel that energy on stage and it can it can even change the way we play the piece itself. So um, coming to a performance as an audience member, you're not just observing, you're actually part of the creation of music uh, in a really big way. So kind of a cool thing to think about when you come in and sit down and, you know, drink your cocktail and read the program. So, yeah. It's going to be a wonderful experience. A lot of what you talked about, <clears throat> Sarah, you know, with the showmanship, the flashiness, um, you know, you can equate to athletics. You know, when you sure. see a professional athlete, I mean, they're just – same with the professional musician. They might not be as big and bulky, um, but they're at the top and the peak of their craft. Right. You know, so what they can do is already far superior to what most humans can do. But for me, what I love most is that personal connection. You know, one of the things that always gets me to melt is seeing teammates from the Chicago Blackhawks giving back in their community of helping to babysit for for kids who are in need and don't have a parent. It's like, wow, you are a superhuman, and you're also giving back, and there's such a powerful story behind who you are or behind a cause that you represent and are passionate about. Um, To me, that's what gets me to love a certain sports team or to love uh, an actor or actress, Um, and same with musicians. So if people are looking at like, well, I don't don't under completely, that's kind of it of, wow, we've got the best of the best on stage, um, performing, creating the music, conducting Conducting the orchestra and um, just what tugs at, at our hearts and our passions is what makes us most special and most magical. And to just be present and aware and darn it, get your seats because there's not as many seats at UNC as there is at the Civic Center. So greedyfield.org, check them out uh, right now so you have an opportunity to see this world premiere and the second premiere in the world too um, which will be on Sunday at 2 p.m. so a a double Um, Dylan and Sarah thank you so much for being on today we cannot wait to have you on again just to talk about the experiences of this and um, really what it means to to, to you we'll have a before and after type of follow up but uh, thanks you so much and Sarah break a leg thank you Dylan enjoy every moment and every listener who's here do not wait we can't wait to share this experience with you in uh, in just a few days awesome thank you Nick thanks and this is our cutoff